The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. NASCAR America, Chris Devoto with drivers Kyle Petty and Jeff Burton. Every show is big. Well, you're already laughing. I, I can't help it. Today help is so big because it's the first NASCAR America with Kyle Petty since the birth of yes. your baby boy. Yes. How's the family doing? Yeah, I've been off nine months. I'm still off. <laughs> Look at you've been off you've yes. been away so long. That's that you had a baby. baby faces. Look at he that. is doing he is precious. He is doing amazing. It is it is amazing. Um you, I think you forget, and I, I have. Obviously, I'm older, but I forget. But it's been amazing. Morgan's doing great, mm -hmm. and Overton's doing great. What does the king think of the baby? Well, the king came. The king came, and he's like, yep, looks like a baby. <laughs> yep. They all look alike, you know. All babies look alike. You know how he is. And then, then he just said, and, and you know how the king is. The guy's got huge hands. Remember, yeah. when he gets mad at you and he starts pointing at you, his finger's about this long. But he could just hold the baby in one mm -hmm. hand. So it was, he was really excited. Really yeah. Excited. So it was fun. That's, and we have breaking news for you, too. Uh, some family news yes. from, from your side of the family. Yeah, yeah just Jeb, Jeb got engaged. Had to see it on social media. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here, we're sitting here, and I'm like, hey, my nephew got engaged. Yeah, that's so, yeah. But yeah. then you FaceTimed him. You talked to him. He, yep, he FaceTimed us, and we got to see the ring. Yeah, got to see the ring. Which which tight, is a, tight as Jeb is. Yeah. I was really surprised there was a ring involved, but there was. She yeah. showed it to us. Bert, that's, that's what Jeff said. As, as tight as Jeb is, he was surprised you could see it when you FaceTimed somebody. <laughs> but you could actually see it. It was big. It was big. See, so we got all sorts nice. of breaking news along the family theme. And before we get into the show, I do need to single out Kyle for another reason. This one has nothing to do with Baby Overton, but it does affect a whole lot of kids. It was announced today that this year's yeah. Kyle Petty Charity Ride raised $1.3 yes. million dollars for Victory Junction. That's, I just got chills saying That's crazy, it. and you were part of it. You I was. It. That's it. You know, that, that puts us, I think we're, we're fast, we're getting close to, to have raised $20 million with this thing. That's over, me, Look, oh no, that's Harry. Uh, over, <laughs> yeah, that's Harry. Over, over a 24 year period, 25 year period. It's hard to believe that all we really wanted to do was ride motorcycles, and we've raised this much money and sent this many kids to camp and been to this many children's hospitals. Um, it, it puts life in perspective. That week does. You, you've been on the ride. You know how it is. That is amazing. Yes. You think about the number, number of kids that oh, you guys have crazy. touched and improved the quality of their lives. Yeah. That's, you know, just a week at camp, something that we most, most of us would take for granted. Yeah. You know, those kids, that's, that's life changing. Yeah. yeah, and that's their week to be, to be normal, to just yeah. be kids to and just, to just have kids. a good time. And with summer, and we know here in Charlotte, what, 98 degrees out, yeah. summer's heating up. Those kids, uh, our camp's really sort of kicking off, yeah. and we were so happy. I was good. So, Thank you. so honored to be a part Thank of the you. ride. And today on the show, we are going to get into some racing. I mean, we're going to keep talking to some family stuff. we got babies, weddings. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're we got it all. Well, we're not done with the babies yet, because <laughs> oh. Dale Jr. is going to talk Father's Day. It's another installment of Dale Jr. Download. And then Ray Everham is going to um, call in and tell us about his latest adventure. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. And it's also that time of year when drivers across the country are enjoying their own home track. We'll take a look back at some of the wildest animal trophies in victory lane including a reptile that had jeff burton running for cover that's true right 
That is true. That's true. To recap the 2018 standings, six drivers have virtually locked themselves into the playoffs with wins. Those six winners are the fewest, though, through 15 races since 1996. So that leaves 10 open spots with 11 races left until wow. the playoffs. Are you guys surprised by that? I am. I am. I am. I am surprised. I am surprised as, as much as NASCAR has done to create a system where on any given Sunday, any one of these drivers could win. To look at what Kevin Harvick's done, to look at what Kyle Busch has done, to look at, at Clint Boyer with two wins beside his name, I am surprised that we at, at the number of winners we have. Yeah, and the quality of teams yes. that, that you have today, you know, and, and I think it takes a special certain set of circumstances. You get, you know, a manufacturer that comes out and maybe not doing as well as they yeah. thought, you know, Chevrolet. And you think about Chevrolet, you got Hendrick, uh, then you got a lot of young drivers in Henry. There's a lot of things that I think are playing into the number of winners that we've had. I don't think this will be normal. I think that this is uh, this will be an abnormal year where yeah. you have this few winners this time of year. Well, it is the point in the season, though, as you start to think back. It's easy to, to go, wait, how did we get here? Who won what? So throughout today's show, we're going to be looking at the laps, just the laps that have best defined the 2018 NASCAR season. So let's kick things off. We're going to go back to the very first race of the year, the Daytona 500. And this is the final lap of the race. Eric Almarola had the lead going into turn three. And he's turned into the wall by Austin Dillon. The grandson of Richard Childress, though, would bring the number three Chevy to victory lane in the great American race for the first time since Dale Earnhardt did so 20 years earlier. Jeff, I know this was heartbreak for Almarola as we saw it again, but seeing that three in that victory lane had sort of a Hollywood movie feel. Well, it, well, it did. And, uh, you know, the Daytona 500 and, you know, the history of, of Dale Earnhardt at Daytona and all the heartbreak, really. Yeah. And then uh, to win in that fashion and really, you know, RCR needing a kick, right? Needing something major to happen. And it happened on that day. And you mentioned Eric Almarola. You know he had to be exceptionally disappointed. But you know, really, that's plate racing. Yes. I mean, I, I, you know, you have to block and yeah. you can't lift on the last lap. And, you know, some people, you know, said, you know, Austin Dillon just wrecked him. He shouldn't have done that. But what are you supposed to do? You're yeah. supposed to lift and, and you just don't own plate racing. It's a completely different kind of racing than all other kind of racing. Yeah, and, and listen, it, the way this race played out, I, I think that's the defining lap of this race for Austin Dillon. It's the defining lap of this race for Eric Amarola. For other guys that were in wrecks earlier, they have different defining laps. But I, I, the, the thing to me is that can be the defining lap of a career for Austin Dillon. Winning the Daytona 500, being a Daytona 500 champion, no matter what he goes on to win, um, that's what he is. But to me, I, and, and when even watching it sitting here, it, it brings back that memory of Dale Earnhardt Sr. going into turn three with a flat tire and Derek Cope winning the race yep. in the yep. 10 car, in the 10 car. We got Eric Amarola in the 10 car. Yep. We've got... Austin Dillon and the three car. You see the 10 and the three. You see what happens. And you go back, you flash back, and it's mm -hmm. like, man, it's a, it's a weird experience to see it. But that was a great way to start the season for Austin Dillon and a great race to start the season on. And, and you, you know, you think about Austin Dillon, and a lot of people, you know, really I don't think give Austin the credit that he perhaps deserves. Yeah. He's won championships, right? He's, he's Xfinity, uh, a truck. Like, he's, done, he's won a lot yeah. of races. Won the Coke 600, won this, and I, I know there are a little bit different ways that he won, yeah. but he still they still found a way to win, and you don't take the trophy away. So, you know, I I I don't know how good Austin Dillon is because RCR's equipment just hasn't been as good as say Stuart Haas or or Hendrick, 
But when you look back at Austin's career, it's pretty hard to make an argument yeah. that he doesn't that he's not a really good yeah. race car driver. Yeah, yeah, you think of the championships, like you said, winning the, the biggest race in the sport and the longest race in the sport. And our next defining lap happened at ISM Raceway. That's the new name of Phoenix, where a pit stop would prove costly for Kyle Busch. This is with 52 laps remaining. Race leader Kyle Busch came, would come onto pit road with seven tenths of a second advantage over Kevin Harvick. However, this slow pit stop caused by an issue with the jack would put Bush 3.3 seconds behind Harvick when it all cycles out. Bush, who led a race high 128 laps, was never able to regain the lead and finish second to his biggest rival so far in 2018. Yeah, and you know, how many times have we seen Kevin Harvick in that same position yeah. come down pit road with the two second lead and have, have an issue on pit road? Um, you know, and, and we, I think when you, when you are these teams, when you are a Kevin Harvick, when you are a Kyle Busch, and you look from that moment what they've gone on to do the rest of this season, they don't even pay any attention to that. That's a defining moment as we look at it, but for them, that's just the race that got away. That's a race that got away for, for Kyle Busch. But, but the thing is, when you play at that end of the, of, of the field, when you play at the front end of the field, everybody's going to push a little harder. Everybody's going to try a little harder, and mistakes are going to show up a lot bigger. Yeah, and, and the best teams use that for motivation, yeah. and they find a way to be, you know, make themselves better from that bad situation. And and sometimes you just have to lose. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just yep. have to, you know, <laughs> have a bad pit stop. I equate pit stops and pit crews to special teams in football. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you good point. You they they're not there until they are, and when they are there, you think it's easy, and they should just yeah. be able to kick the field goal or or tackle the guy, and they can't. And your team loses, and you're like, well, what? You know, it's not easy. And and those guys, they, they wait and they wait and they wait, and then they have you know a few seconds to, to impact their team. Yeah. And when it goes bad, then then you know who yeah. they are, and it's, that's a really tough job. Yeah. It's it, listen, it's tough being a crew member. I was a crew member for my dad for a, a thousand years. It feels like, but the point is, when when you hear over the radio that you're going to pit in five laps, that you're going to pit in ten laps, that he's getting ready to come, instantly standing on that wall. Five laps, you're here. Six, four laps, you're here. Three laps, your adrenaline starts pumping. Your anxiety goes up. Everything, you get right up on it, right up. And then all of a sudden, there's the car. And it's the best crews that take it down that notch and say, okay, I'm just doing my job. But when you're in this position, uh, and it's all for the win, and it's, it's for, for everything, it's a little bit more intense. And guys, isn't it what we love about sports? I mean, any sport, you know, football, you don't know which, is it this third down? Is this going to be the play yeah. that makes the difference? Same with racing. You know, Kyle Busch had led all those laps, and you don't realize that on this pit stop, this is going to be the moment that completely changes yeah. the landscape yeah. of the you race. Never, that's why you can't turn a race off. I mean, you cannot. I mean, how many races have you watched and you said, well, that guy, he's got everybody covered, and you finished fifth. You just never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And it, listen, we talk about it from a points perspective, and we're going to be talking points this year getting to uh, the playoff system. When that guy misses the point cut yeah. by three points or six points, and everybody says, well, they didn't run good in Indianapolis this year. It's not in Indianapolis. Let's go back to Daytona. They gave up two two positions at Daytona. They had a bad pit stop at Phoenix. They give it up here. It's a cumulative effort that puts you in that position. Our discussion continues with one of NASCAR's crown jewel races, the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Do you remember what happened in this race, specifically on lap 84? Kevin Harvick drove his way through the field after starting in the back. He got up to fourth position and was poised to challenge pole sitter Kyle Busch. Are we talking a lot about Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick this year? There's a it theme, appears, right? It, it was on this lap, however, that Harvick's 
front tire went down, causing his car to slam into the wall in turn three. Harvick's night was over. And there he is again. Kyle Busch goes on to score the dominant victory. So it's like the seesaw. You know, we just talked about Kyle Busch's sort of bad moment, and all of a sudden there he is. And that race, by the way, when he won at Charlotte, I think he that was the moment he became the first driver to win at all of the current, what, 23 yeah. uh, tracks on the NASCAR Which circuit. Which is impressive, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, to say the least. Yeah. That was, that's the, you don't know what would have happened, right? Kyle Busch went on to dominate that race. Uh, he was in a class by himself. What would have happened if Kevin Harvick yeah. would have been there? We, you don't know. You don't know. He, he, Kevin Harvick may have gotten as yeah. far as he was going to get. Many times we see a guy drive to the field and he gets to about fourth, and that's where he stays, fourth, fifth, sixth. We don't know what Kevin Harvick yeah. was going to do. We do know, though, that it made it a little bit easier for Kyle Busch to dominate. When you take a top team out, it uh, it makes it easier. Yeah. But but this is the this is when when you got Pearson and Petty, when that's you exactly got right. all these guys going at it, when one guy makes a mistake, that yeah. other team's going to be there to execute. Yeah, and this what what I like about this year, is if we go back to our opening comments where there's only been a handful of winners, what I like is this is old school racing to me. This is the 70s. This is, this is Pearson and Petty. This is one driver pushing the other driver to be better. One week, it's Kevin Harvick. One week, it's Kyle Busch. You're going to get these other guys that are going to fill in with wins. They're going to get they're going to get a win every now and then, and they're going to they're going to make it happen. They're going to have an impact on the year. But these guys are pushing each other. Uh, I think Kevin, watching him drive from the back of the pack all the way up, you kept saying, "Okay, yeah. he's 15th. It'll level off right there." Nope, here he is ninth. It'll level off. Nope, here he is challenging for it. It never leveled off. He cut through that field, and, and it was very impressive. Um, but you know, the one thing that is the one thing about this sport too. That's why you got to set through 600 miles of racing at Charlotte to see who gets a trophy because there's so many variables in this sport besides Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch sitting in that thing driving it. So many parts and pieces. If it is like the 70s, does that mean we get to wear 70s clothes at some point later in the season? We've done it before. I'm still trying to get those leather pants off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> was. Up next, I just can't even because that brings up a whole other conversation. I was going to say, that's a whole other show. <laughs> that was a whole that was, just the moment where you're like, I don't think I'm going to get these. I don't off. think I'm going to get them all. It's okay. hot in Darlington. Yeah, it is hot in Darlington. Up next, legendary crew chief and NASCAR Hall of Famer Ray Evernham takes some time to join us today. Wait till you hear about the adventure he has coming up. And his guest will be a ghost. The spooky details next. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Welcome back. It's time now for a social pit stop. Yesterday, we revealed our new home for the final 20 races of the season. This is the Peacock Pit Box. Kyle, that's going to be our home. That's where Kyle, DJ, and I will be hosting NASCAR America and Countdown to Green. As long as it's got a microwave, I'm in. We're at the track. The pit box <laughs> makes its grand debut at Chicagoland next week. We didn't show the microwave. Yesterday, <laughs> we did show you Kyle Larson's win at Eldora as he takes part in Ohio Sprint Speed Week. Last night, Larson was at it again, this time at Wayne County Speedway in Orville, Ohio. Larson driving the 57 car. You can't see it because, I mean, it's a dirt track. But he would go on to victory lane again, picking up his second win in three nights. Ohio Speed Week continues tonight at Sharon Speedway, home of the Blaney family. And check this out. Speaking of dirt, Racer.com's Robin Miller reported that Indianapolis Motor Speedway will host a USAC midget race on a quarter-mile dirt track inside turn three. 
Speedway President Doug Bowles confirmed the event will kick off Brickyard 400 weekend in September. If you remember back in 2016, the Speedway constructed a temporary dirt track in honor of Tony Stewart. So it's going to be fun. We'll be there for that. That is a great yeah. idea, yeah. you know, to, 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 to bring sh local short track type racing to Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the weekend of Brickyard. That is a really yeah. good idea. That's yeah. awesome. I guess they think we don't like music. They brought music for the for the IndyCar guys. They're just bringing dirt cars for us. We had music last year. It was, it was yeah. uh, the Chase Pokers. There you go. There, there you go. go. I was going to say that? people yeah, younger than me knew who they were. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Chris just woke up. Good you call, just called me young. Call. This is the best show ever. I didn't call you young. I said you were no, That's younger. exciting. That's exciting. Hey, it's always fun when we're yes. here in Charlotte to see who walks through the door or who calls in to say hi. Today that someone is Hall of Fame crew chief Ray Evernham. And Ray is calling us because he is not in the 100 degree heat here in Charlotte. Ray, where are you and how are you spending? I mean, you're a Hall of Famer. How are you spending your summer? What are you up to? Uh, we've been on the road uh, playing with cars, racing, just not racing NASCAR. I'm in Colorado Springs right now, but at the base of the Pikes Peak Mountain. So uh, we built that crazy car we call the Ghost, and we had it at Indy last week to run it. And we're going to run it up Pikes Peak Mountain. Uh, Bill Elliott's going to take it to for a, try and set a record with it at Pocono for me. And then we're going to run it at Daytona at a, at a vintage car race. So we've got this, uh, this crazy-looking car we're just traveling around with, having a little bit of fun, meeting a lot of people. Is that a Tesla? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, no. This one, it, let me tell you, it, it, it's not a Tesla, and the people that are the people that that are are very much into uh, saving carbon and fuels and the footprint and all that would not like us. This, it's got a 410 cubic inch all aluminum fuel injected motor in it, and it'll eat a little bit of gasoline. <laughs> hey, where, where where did the idea come from to build this car in the in in the beginning? In the beginning. It's a car I've been dreaming about since I was a kid, but it's changed, right? You know, I love the 36 Chevy sedan modifieds I grew up around, but the older you get, then, you know, the technology changes and the vision of the car changes. And I wanted to build a car to just go play with and, and do some things. And I said, let's build a, a sedan. And, and uh, we built it like a, like a 1960s, you know, NASCAR modified. And, uh, but it's kind of a cross between a 1960s NASCAR modified and an Indy car. <laughs> Well, Ray, I had, I had, when, when you were building this car, they, just so everybody understands, like you guys built this from the frame up. I was at your shop. I came and visited with you, looked, watched you build it. Uh, it's a really cool project. And it, it, you were in there really digging and, and like an engineering yeah. mind, you know, saying, I want the A-frames here, I want the A-frame there. But this was a ground-up project, wasn't it? It really was. And, again, it's, it's you know in in my retirement from professional racing you still got to keep your brain busy and i love racing love to design cars love to build cars and we we built this kind of combination old school new school and and wanted to travel a little bit with my family and, and uh with with friends and you know to be able to do a bunch of different different racing so this car is actually going to do road racing it's going to do some oval racing it's going to do some drag racing and then it'll do some endurance racing yeah, you. Before we went on air, you were explaining you're, you're out there. You've made a run today. You don't get to run the full course at Pikes Peak, but one time. Explain the process that you that you go through as a rookie uh, to have the opportunity to run this thing at Pikes Peak. Well, I had to show up uh, Monday and, and go through rookie orientation. I got some great mentors. They explained you know mountain uh, to you and really take you up there because it, it it it's a pretty serious thing. You, you know, if you, it, it's safe if you do it safely. Uh, the car has to go through a tremendous amount of safety inspection, 
And uh, what they do is they break the mountain into three segments. So all the groups of cars are here. So the segment today, we ran the middle section. And, uh, you know, the guys in my group are guys like Travis Pastrana, J.R. Hildebrandt, uh, David Donahue. So some experienced guys and, and some rookies uh, as well. Now, tomorrow, we'll run the top of the mountain. And then on Thursday, we'll run the bottom of the mountain, and that'll be our qualifying. The best of your two or three runs from the bottom of the mountain uh, tells where you start. And it's not like we're running in a pack, but the earlier you go up the mountain, the better. Because, like, this morning we were on the mountain at 3.30 in the morning and started uh, practice at at 5.30. We can only practice from 5.30 to 8.30 because it opens opens for the public. But it's wild. It's light out here at at 5.30. my, my car's got no headlights, no windshield wipers or any of that, you know, because they said, well, it could be raining up there. I said, uh, don't sign me up for the wet, you know, <laughs> so they said, no, it's dry up there, you know, uh, but it, it, it's really pretty wild. So we do everything in the morning and the only they only close the road one day a year. And that's this coming Sunday uh, where we'll run the race. And the, the better you qualify, the earlier you go and the earlier you go. The, the better chance you have of not getting weather because you could you could leave the bottom at 70 degrees in a T-shirt. You get to the top, it's snowing. So, so, Ray, I want to go back. You said something about um, trying to set a record at Pocono. What record are you trying to set? Well, we're, we're having a little bit of fun by saying everywhere we go, we want to set a record for the world's fastest 1936 Chevy. <laughs> so, we already did that at Road Atlanta and Indy. Um, but I, I feel like, uh, you know, Bill, Bill and I have a blast. We still do a lot of things together. And, man, he has not lost a step. He, he just... Honestly, he put on a clinic this weekend at uh, Indianapolis at the Brick Gate. We, we ran the, the uh, you know, the Grand Prix course uh, that the Indy guys are running, and, and Bill was just amazing. But uh, he, you know, I play with the Ghost, and then I put him in it to, to lay down a record lap. So I don't really feel qualified enough to run the car at the speed that we think it can achieve at Pocono. So Bill's going to do that for me. I'm not going to mess with Pocono at all. Okay, this weekend uh, the Cup cars go out to Sonoma. Obviously, uh, you've won races there. Um, how tough a place is that to, to strategy-wise to, to figure out where your car needs to be? And as you look at the sport today, it's a lot different than when you ran there. And strategy is a key word everywhere we go now. I think it really, that, you know, it is a lot different, Kyle, because I'll tell you some of the things that we look at now, the segments, you know, Sonoma's, man, it, it, for a while there, it was a no-brainer, right? You just try and pit a little bit before everybody else and stretch the last stop if you could do it. But then, you know, the, as as that place gets slick and older, the tires became a, a bigger factor. And, and now with the, with the segments, and the, the, I tell people the strategy of calling a race to me is so much different because of the double-file restarts and then, you know, the ability to get your, your lap back if you don't pit. And that's something that we, you know, you, you, you never would want to pit and get tires in a single-file restart on a road course. But on the double-file restart on a road course or an oval, you've got a, a much better shot at it. So strategizing is, is really, I think, not quite as easy as it used to be on the road course. And, and Sonoma's a tough place to get a hold of. And you, you've both have driven out there, and you know it's like, man, you slide your fronts across and your backs don't hook up, and, you know, it's it, it's not quite as hard on the brakes as Watkins Glen, but you've still got to have some uh, pretty good brakes. And if you if you, if you you camber the tires to make the thing turn, then you're sliding it under under braking. So I always enjoyed the challenge of, of both those tracks. Well, I know you're going to enjoy the challenge you have this weekend, too. Yeah. Best of luck to you on Sunday. Good luck, in the man. Hill Good luck. Have fun. All Be right, safe. I'm looking forward Be to safe. seeing you guys. And, uh, Tokai, we 
you got the, got the seventies thing, and you do have music at the Brickyard, buddy. I think you got Florida Georgia Line coming from. Oh, there, there you go. That's there why you go. we Thank had you Ray Thank you very on. much. That's why you were here. That's right. That's why we yeah. wanted to know. He's our resource. All right, <laughs> Thanks, Ray. See ya. Bye. Coming up next, Kyle Petty isn't the only NASCAR and NBC team member having to get used to sleepless nights. But for Dale Earnhardt Jr., the reason, much different than it used to be. When we return, Dale Jr. gives us his thoughts on being a father and, well, whatever else is on his mind. This summer, it's the debut you've been waiting for. Same Dale, new view as Dale Earnhardt Jr. joins the NBC NASCAR broadcast team. It all starts July 1st, live from Chicagoland. That is in just 12 days. And this Thursday, it's the debut of the Dale Jr. Download TV show. Look at the casual pose there, right here on NBCSN. You're going to know so much about Dale Jr. You'll be the phone-a-friend for Jr. trivia questions. We will bring you a Half hour from Junior every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. right after NASCAR America. Here's some of what you can expect on this week's episode. We got a lot of great topics to talk about today. Um, Mike, you were mentioning Father's Day. Father's Day is a lot different now than it used to be. It was not a big deal to me. When, when Dad was alive, uh, I didn't really think much of Father's Day. Of course, I wasn't a father at the time. I was the, the kid, but uh, <laughs> well, you had a father. I I wasn't a father though, so it's, it's I don't understand. So, yeah. yeah, so it's hard to understand how important that day is. And now becoming a father and being a father for the first time on Father's Day, I get it. I feel like I fell pretty, I fell miserably short as a son trying to <laughs> trying to get. You know, At least he's honest. Trying yeah. to show my father appreciation and make Father's Day uh, important and special for him. Uh, it did not get really important to me until Dad passed, mm. and then Father's Day comes along. And you're like, "Wow, it's Father's Day," you know. And you think about your dad, and you think about how how amazing he was. And I, everybody does this. We see, you know, on social media, everybody posting photos of their father. So good to see all those different old school photos and people's appreciation for their parents and their dad. Um, <clears throat> so, but anyhow, I, I wasn't a I wasn't very good at making a making Father's Day very special for Dad. It just came and went. And I don't know whether he cared, he cared. or not. I imagine he did. He had to have, uh, you know, cared that it was, a, you know, he, he'd get recognized. Because, boy, my first, I was like, you know, hey, what, I felt a little different. Bring it on. I'm a dad. Bird, birds were chirping a little louder. <laughs> yeah, they were. Sun shining a little brighter. Yeah, Got sun. a little color. Yeah. That wouldn't happen if that wasn't Father's Day. <laughs> Father's Day, get a little tan. I can't say anything crazy, unique happened. You Did know? you get anything? Did you get a gift? I uh, don't want to say. Uh, oh man, I'm gonna get in trouble with my wife. Also, I don't. First show. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't remember getting anything. Oh, but if you did, I you know. are screwed, and we're God. all going down with that ship. I don't want to go down uh, with you. She made it a special day, right? She did. I thought. I mean, I did get uh, breakfast in bed. Oh, well, that's go. good. Well, it was a it was a fig Newton and a cup <laughs> what of coffee. What the heck is that? Are you kidding me? <laughs> a, a fig Newton for well, breakfast? Well, that was what I wanted. Why would you want that? Apple <laughs> <laughs> cinnamon, man. It's real good. I think you let yourself down on Father's Day. Dude, I'm laying in bed, and these things were brought to me. I didn't choose them. Like, I didn't go downstairs. Sorry, that's a good Father's Day. I'd love to lay in bed and have Fig Newtons, Fig Newtons <laughs> delivered Look, to me. So I'm laying in bed, and, and Amy brings that up to uh, 
to the bed and and hands me Isla, and she's wearing this little daddy, you know, hey, daddy onesie. And Isla was in a great mood, so we just laid in bed and <laughs> looked at Isla, and she's smiling. You know, she's just now getting to where she smiles. And, you know, I, I, she smiled at Amy a few times, but she uh, she smiles at me a lot. And so I can I can tell when Isla's in a smiling mood, and it's rare. It's not, all, it's not often. But uh, maybe one time every day I'll catch her when she's like, ready to have fun um so <laughs> well, was she a bit of a, of a handful no she's just real quiet she's okay. just pretty much expressionless most okay. of the day um but if you get her in the mood you know if you find her in the right mood and and you know give her a lot of baby talk and all kinds of silliness i'm it's pretty comfortable for me to be real goofy and it's not for amy and amy's real serious and doing the mother stuff and man i'm i'm digging a hole but uh no 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 I, that, that that makes yeah. sense the mothers are doing mother yeah. things yeah. yeah so so amy's like you know she doesn't she she's yeah she's on she's on the clock so to speak yes you're at recess all yes. day long yeah almost. i'm yeah. i'm 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 the i'm, I'm yeah. where the you're the class goes. clown yeah. you're, you're the amuser you're the <laughs> entertainer yep yeah well it was entertaining it was entertaining yeah i'll let you, you guys are the fathers so that was that was pretty eye-opening though he was i mean as he always is he's honest well he's a new he's father a, yeah. yes so he's right there. I didn't get right breakfast together. cookies. I you didn't, didn't get I, fig newtons? No, fig, the breakfast, breakfast cookies. Breakfast cookies, Which I would know. be a Twinkie That's for a Twinkie Richard Petty. for the Petty family. <laughs> that, would be a, that would be a... I know. Yes. That's what we used to do. We used to stick my dad breakfast cookies in bed. Twinkies. That's it. Breakfast cookies. <laughs> That's cool. But you know what? It, does, it, it and, and obviously, I've been a father. But having a baby... Mm-hmm. And having to care for that baby. And Morgan does a tremendous job. He talks about Amy. And they do all the work. You know, you just get to come in and play. You know, and, and it is different because you do, you are that other person. But it totally changes the way you look at Father's Day. It really does. Someone that I respect a great deal says that there should be two Mother's Days. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that's right. I think yeah. mothers deserve two days. Yeah. I like that. I'm yeah. a fan. Yeah. I, 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 listen, I would agree with that one. I would agree with that. Yeah, well, reminder, the Dale Jr. download is this Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, right after NASCAR America, so you'll hear a lot more of that conversation. But wait a minute, if you need your Dale Jr. fix even sooner, he's back tomorrow right here at the Big Oak Table for Wednesdays with Dale Jr. We will also be joined by another Dale, Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett, and Kyle may show up too just so you and Jr. can swap diaper changes. Yeah, we could do that. We could do that. We're going to look good walking into the NBC <laughs> compound with NBC diaper bags. Ooh. <laughs> brings up a whole nother topic. That's whole, can, can we go on air with like the pouch in front? The baby you know, Bjorn? Do, yeah, that's yeah. it. Baby yeah, Bjorn. Bjorn. I'm going to do a show with that for you people. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up, we've been talking five pivotal laps from 2018. So far, we've shown you three. So for all you math majors, that means we have more. We're continuing to go through our picks for the most defining laps of the season. Up next, a couple of key crew chief decisions that led to some pretty big wins. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. This day in NASCAR takes us back to 1949, the inaugural race in what would become the NASCAR Cup Series. It was held at the old Charlotte Speedway dirt track. Kansas native Jim Roper was declared the winner after Glenn Dunaway's car was found to have altered rear springs. Dunaway, who was the only driver to actually complete the race's 200 laps, was disqualified. Didn't roll through the LIS. Yep. Splitter. Mm. 
bad shape, all this stuff. <laughs> Hold on. This is what we were just talking about at your break. This is what I love about NASCAR. They didn't have a winner for their first race. They just declared one. They, they disqualified somebody and declared one. So when we complain about not getting through the line for inspection and having to start at the back of the pack and spend 15 minutes, it's part of the sport, man. It's just part People of the sport. People have been breaking the rules since, since it started. 19, since what was that? 1949. 1949. 1949. Congratulations, Jim Roper. <laughs> Just shout out. Uh, let's go continue our look at the defining laps from this 2018 season. Uh, at this point in the season, we all the championship talk is really about Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch. Yes. Let's go to Pocono because the reigning series champ would then put his name into that conversation. After a piece of debris brought a caution with 21 laps to go, race leader Kyle Busch headed to pit road for four fresh tires. Crew chief. Cole Pern elected to keep Martin Truex Jr. out on the track to take the race lead. The decision paid off as Truex maintained the lead for the remainder of the race and cruised to his second win of the year. I think. And that put them in that conversation, right? Yes. You keep yeah, hearing yeah. about the big three, right? Yeah. right? And that put them back in that conversation of being one of those guys that can win a championship and and take Kevin Harvick or, or Kyle Busch down. Yeah, and, and you, we look at Truex's year. I look at Truex's year this year. Things that went really, really right for him last year are not going right for him this year. I mean, he caught breaks at the right time last year. They put themselves in position. Cole Pern's not afraid to make a call like this. Let's just stay out. Let's gamble. Let's get that track position. Let's do something. Truex drives the wheels off of it every lap. They just had freak things happen for a couple of years. Everything came together last year. They're back to where they were a little bit because they catch a bad break every now and then or they're not able to capitalize. But at the same time, my God, they're running just like they did last year. They're running in those top two or three, so they should be part of the conversation. So you feel like it's big, the big three. I mean, that's sort of where we are. Right now, but yeah. I don't think it matters. I, I think that what matters is for these guys, the ones that they already know are in the playoffs, yeah. who can step up uh, when the playoffs start because yeah. you're, going to, you're going to be in a situation where you're going to have a do-or-die moment. Yeah. And how you respond to that situation could send you out or move you forward. And so, yeah, right now I'd say that's the case, but I could change my mind in yeah. three months. Truex has won how many races? Two, right? Two. 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 And we're calling him the big in the big three. Mm -hmm. We're not calling Clint Boyer well, the big four say. when he's won two. I, I, yeah, I'm just I saying. Say, I say he right now. I think now, he's he a sweet guy. Yeah, yeah I, think, like I think he is too yeah. because he's run competitive. It's like but I'm just saying it's the perception. it's the perception of – we in the media are fans. They look at Truex and say, he's won a championship. Yeah, he's, he deserves to be there. They look at Clint and say, no, he had a couple of bad years. He's got he's to show us. But that's what a championship will do for you, too, because yes. you've, you've earned that and sort of that, yeah. those credentials yes. to go into those races. But, yeah, let's not forget, forget Clint Boyer. In fact, he is our last defining lap driver. We head to Michigan where teams not only had to worry about the race but also the weather. So following stage two and with the rain approaching, Crew Chief Mike Bugaravich called for a two-tire stop for Clint Boyer, while the rest, who pitted, took four. The move gave Boyer the track position he needed. And during the final stage restart, I mean, this is awesome, Boyer racing Kevin Harvick side-by-side -side before taking the lead coming out of turn four. He maintains it until the rain arrives, causing the race to be called after 133 laps. And there's just something about a Clint Boyer kind of celebration. <laughs> he probably doesn't remember much. Yeah. <laughs> it probably hasn't ended. What yeah. today is yeah, that yeah. Ended. <laughs> But should but, he be in that in that conversation? I guess that's what the national. Well, so, so 
So I think that he has a chance to be in that conversation. Yeah. I think that when I think of Clint Boyer, and I made this comment a couple weeks ago on the show that you know he's a very consistent driver. I don't think of him as a guy that's going to go win seven or eight races, but he's starting to show more speed and more speed. And and we know the Stuart Haas stuff is running is running really well. So yeah, I think he has a shot. And and the thing about this race in particular, and I, Brad Doherty made a comment that you know he won a rain race, it doesn't count the same. Yeah. Well. That race right there, he held off Kevin Harvick. Yes. Did an unbelievable yeah. job of putting Kevin Harvick in positions he didn't want to be in. He, yeah, it rained, yeah. but he won that race. He won, race. He won that race, yeah. plain and simple. Yeah, that's not. A, it's not a rain race to me. I, I'm sorry, it's not. He yeah. he he had to race for that position on the racetrack yeah. against a guy who had dom has dominated this year, has run up front, who knows how to win on these big tracks, who knows everything. I, I, for me, this is the way I look at Clint right now. I want Clint to be part of the conversation. I want Clint to make it to Miami and be that big four. At the same time, I look at I look at, at, at Harvick and I say, look at what he does every single week. I look at Kyle Busch, look at what he does every single week. I look at Clint and I say, he's not doing that every single week. I think this is his half step, his opportunity to get there to say, yes, 2018 is the year we did it almost every week. 2019, we're going to do it every week and win a championship. You know what I mean? Yep. He can win the championship. That's not what I'm saying. Not by any stretch uh, am I saying he can't win the championship. But what I am saying is he needs to be consistently part of the same conversation that we have about Truex, um, Kyle Busch, and Kevin Harvick. And he gets there, and then he disappears. And he doesn't disappear. He's seventh or eighth. Okay? He's still running good. But when he can put himself in the top three or four week in and week out, that's when, that's when, for me, he's the guy. Yeah, can he find himself in a position where he has to win and he and his team be good yeah. enough on that day to go get the win to advance into the yeah. next round? Yeah. That's what we've seen Kevin Harvick do. We've seen Kyle Busch yep. do. We've seen Brad Keselowski do. Yes. We've seen Joy. We've seen the guys that we consider to be the, the, the perennial contenders. We've seen them step up at those moments and – and will themselves into a win. Yeah. And, and that, to me, is when your back's against the wall, what can you do? Do you have that strength to make it happen? That, to me, is what, in today's world, yeah. in, the way you are, in the way you determine a champion today, having that ability is paramount because yeah. you're not going to point yourself into a championship. Yeah. You can point yourself into a position to win a championship, but to win the championship, you've got your back against the wall, and you've got to go pull that win from everybody else. Yeah. And that is what a current champion is. Yeah, you can get enough frequent flyer points to get to Miami, okay? But that's not going to get you to the championship. Okay. And you know why Clint Boyer has Bristol circled on his calendar? Because there's good parking lot parties? No, because if you're okay, keeping sorry. track at home, there have been two off weekends so far this year. The races leading into them have both been won by Clint Boyer. Bristol mm. is followed by an off weekend. That also means Clint's celebrations have lasted two weeks both times. <laughs> I'm tired thinking yeah. that. I know, uh, so is his liver. Coming yeah. up, you've surely seen animals sneak out onto the racetrack over the years, but what happens when they show up in victory lane? Jeff Burton knows. We'll take a look back. <laughs> we just can't see it enough. I can't see that enough. We'll take a look back at that when we return. <laughs> Do not sleep on the movie event of the summer. It's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard in theaters Friday. Now, Overton's probably a bit too young for this one, but his buddy Emmy is pumped. 
It's way too young for this. <laughs> way too young for this. I can't watch that. There are no dinosaurs in the Bay's My Home Track, but still plenty of wildlife as we look at some unique victory lanes. Oh my gosh. So this wow. is Gallatin Speedway in Montana. The track hosts the Grizzly Nationals in July. The winner, sure they get the trophy, but they also get a visit from this 900-pound grizzly bear. Look oh at that. my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's uh. That's a little intimidating. Yeah, that is. I don't know if I'd want to win. Watch him knock the wing off this car. Oh my gosh, he gets that. <laughs> look at the guy. Look at the winner, man. Woo. That's cool. Props to him, man. Again, that's Montana. Then there's the house that Ken Squire built, Thunder Road Speed Bowl, home of the Vermont Milk Bowl. The winner of that race gets to pucker up with a cow, or as Ken would say, a genuine Vermont beauty. I think we've all puckered up with a cow before. <laughs> okay, that's what, I, well, I went this, the wrong no. place for that, did I? The, I went somewhere that's wrong. That's why I just <laughs> wait for the next video. <laughs> South Alabama Speedway, home of the Rattler 250, one of the biggest oh my gosh, races of the this year. Is wrong. And as you may guess by the name of the race, the winner gets up close and personal with a rattlesnake. Oh my gosh. And back in March, Harrison Burton won the Rattler 250. Oh, I love this. I love Look this. Look at how cool Carl Harrison calm. is. Watch Kim. Snake move. <laughs> <laughs> We're going. Watch Jeff. Jeff's oh, out of the yeah. shot. Oh, I, yeah. And he I, just leaves Kim. Listen, I, I'm, I hate to say this. <laughs> Chivalry is dead when, when, uh, when snakes are involved. Yes. Your work, your, what you said was you only have to be as fast as Yeah, that's mm -hmm. it. I, what I had to be as far, it was just further He's away. Right. Just further away. That's yeah. true. She, I left her for herself. Well, Harrison that was, was calm. He was Yeah, Harrison's just be. there. He's, he's like, he's like I want. because he's too young to be smart. <laughs> <laughs> Let's watch it again. Oh, this is terrible. I mean, it just barely moves and she's out of there. <laughs> <laughs> I know she loves this. I know she loves seeing this over and over. Oh, we're going to get out of this segment before we get in trouble. Let's go. You took okay. us down a road. I'm sorry, yeah. I went down From the wrong From wild road. animals to wild cows. winds, why wine country has a way of pouring it on. We will discuss a little bit of racing. Have we done that yet today? Yeah, we talked a little bit. Okay. Well, well, Ray. We talked to Ray. We'll get a little that more counts. in <laughs> next. <laughs>
That, that, that's what road racing was. Um, and it was amazing to watch Foyt, amazing to watch those guys when I was eight or nine years old. And then when we would go out there, Bill Elliott just took to it just like it was, like he had done it his whole life. Terry Labonte with his bad accident at Riverside. Most of my best memories come from Riverside because that's where I grew up road racing. That's the only place that we raced. We used to race there January, June, and then November. Three times a year you ran the same place. So all my fondest memories come from, from Riverside and watching all those, those guys. Those are good ones. I don't, uh, I wasn't good at road racer. I had very few good finishes. I had a few shots to win and never found a way to do it. Uh, but I think for me, it's watch the evolution of road racing in regard to cup drivers, yeah. cup teams. Um, you know, there was a time where they'd bring the ringers in, right? The guys would come in, that road racers, and they would contend to win. Not sure they ever won, but no. they would contend to win. Now, it's like, okay, bring it on. Like, like I, you know, bring whoever you want to bring, and I don't think you're going to be yeah. the Cup guys. You, you, you're, the Cup guys have evolved to be so good at what they do, and they know these cars so much better than, than the guys that come in. Yeah. I, I just think the evolution of how teams and drivers look at road race, and I think that's fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so here's the other question that they pose. Should NASCAR ever run a Cup race on a street course? I don't know. I, I, I Listen, I'm up for anything. I think it would be cool. I think the, yeah. the, the thing, though, about a, a cup car is they're so heavy yeah. that you need a certain amount of straight to be able to make racing happen. It, 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 so much left, right, left, right, they can't really ever get yeah. racing. With a cup car, at some point, you need some speed. Yeah, yeah we, I, I would love to see it, and I would love to see it with this car. I don't think we could have done it in early 2000. I don't think we could have done it in the 90s. I don't think we could have done it in the 80s with those cars, but with this car, I think it's possible, and well, I, I would like to see it. I'm so glad that you're back, and we have a little, uh, oh, here's our little baby, a little baby God. pacifier candy. There's the other one. And congratulations to you, out. to Morgan. Baby Overton, we've got candy here? cigars. Candy, I think. candy I cigars. Candy. It better be candy. It is. It's Solid milk chocolate. It's so. It's great to be back on this show. It's, it's great to have. I, and I'm sure Morgan's actually enjoying having you out of the house for a little bit. I, I should have had this in my mouth when I made the cow comment. <laughs> yes, you should have. That's going to do it for today's NASCAR America. Don't forget tomorrow, it's Wednesdays with Dale Jr. We will hear a great story about Jr. Uh, winning a celebration, a winning celebration at Sonoma without an actual victory. Can you Up hear my next, lips? We totally, we should have given you that about 10 minutes earlier. Up next, it's NASCAR the decades, the 1970s. Kyle, get those suede leather. They were leather bell bottoms. Yes, they, they were the were nice. kings. Get them ready. We're going to see you again tomorrow, 5.30 Eastern with Dale Jr. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.